Welcome or welcome back. We are once again live at the well. I'm your host, Tuli Mubona Namalemo, and I'm here to equip you with mindsets and habits for lifelong lifestyle wellness. I'm a champion for mind, body, and spirit health, and I believe wellness should be pursued as an act of worship to God. As always, we begin every episode with some wellness wisdom, and today's piece of wisdom is you will see and sustain results by being consistent as opposed to being occasionally or sporadically intense. In other words, you would rather do a little bit each day or each week and be consistent with it as opposed to waiting until crunch time, whatever crunch time would be for you, and then doing, you know, a 21-day, 30-day thing and be super intense and super you know, restrictive in order to achieve your goal and then likely not able to sustain those habits. And so you fall back into your old habits, quote unquote, fall off the wagon, and then you're back again a few months later or a year later. So seek consistency and not occasional or or sporadic intense measures if you want to see and sustain results. Keyword sustain. So today's topic is one I've been avoiding for years, if I'm being honest. In fact, years ago, I had a blog and it is when I coined this title, The Elephant in the Sanctuary. But at the time, I wasn't ready to get into it and really address it because it can be a touchy subject. And I wanted to be able to navigate it well with truth and grace. So today is the day. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about one of the least addressed and yet arguably most prevalent sins in the American church. The elephant in the sanctuary is gluttony. Dun, dun, dun. When was the last time you heard a sermon preached on gluttony? Or have you ever had a discussion during small group or Bible study about people's struggles with gluttony? Does anyone ask for accountability with their struggle with gluttony? How many times have you ever heard this address from the pulpit? I'm guessing your answer is never or a handful of times, depending on, uh, you know, what church you're a part of. But why is that? Why is this this the elephant in the sanctuary? So we're going to get into it a little bit, but we're just going to scratch the surface on this topic because it's deep and wide. So we're going to start with the basics. What is gluttony? Well, of course, we check Google first. According to Google, gluttony is habitual greed or excess in eating. Synonyms of gluttony are greed, overeating, overconsumption, binge eating, and gourmandizing. And then antonyms are moderation and abstinence. So that's according to Google. What about according to God? What does God's word say about gluttony? First of all, let's just talk about how interesting it is that sin entered the world through the act of eating. I read that somewhere a few years ago, and I was like, that's that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. Now, throughout scripture, gluttony is associated with things like drunkenness, greed, rebellion, poverty, covetousness, disobedience, laziness, 
and idolatry. Phew! What a list. But I want to focus in on idolatry for this episode. Like I said, we're not going super deep because, you know, we don't have the time. But let's focus on idolatry in this episode. Gluttony is a form of idolatry. What is an idol? I mean, if you're familiar with the commandments, the first commandment in Exodus 20 is you shall have no other gods before me. And I like how the Desiring God website defines or expounds on this um, aspect of what idolatry is. And it says, anything or anyone loved more than God, wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, or enjoyed more than God is an idol. And one thing idols do is take away an opportunity for building intimacy with God, where, you know, you could have turned to God for something he has promised to be for you, but instead you turn to a cheap and or temporary substitute. And in this case, it's food. And many people substitute God for food. For example, a lot of people eat for comfort, and yet God is to be our comfort. Jeremiah 31, 13. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying eating comfort food is sinful because I got my comfort foods once a month. I go and get my pho because the warm soup is just so soothing when my cramps are trying to kill me. Um, another thing is people tend to eat when they're anxious or worried or stressed, they turn to food. Uh, but God is our peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will, will guard your heart, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A lot of people also eat food to ease their sadness. And yet in Psalm 1611, God is our joy. And then we see a lot of people eat food to deal with trauma, unhealed trauma. And in Psalm 147.3, God is our healer. And the thing is, life can be uncomfortable and very stressful and sad right? Life is hard. Life can be very hard. Life is beautiful, but life can be very challenging depending on what season you are. And if you turn to food in every unpleasant or uncomfortable or, you know, sad or, or anxiety inducing situation, you may end up experiencing even more consequences of using food as, you know, a band-aid Things like food addiction, excessive unhealthy weight gain, or disease. And speaking of disease, why don't we talk about gluttony, the overconsumption of food, especially because it does lead to disease, right? Why is overconsumption of food, and it's typically food that is not the most nutritious because ain't nobody being gluttonous with some cucumbers and celery and, you know, lettuce. I'm yet to see that. 
And so why is the overconsumption of food not treated with the same seriousness as or severity as the overconsumption of other things like alcohol or porn, both by the church and the secular world, secular world, excuse me. And it can't be because it's less harmful because it can be very harmful to our health. Overconsumption of certain foods can be harmful to our health. There's this list of 50 toxic food ingredients and food additives to avoid uh, that's created by the MPH programs. And it breaks down these additives and ingredients in three categories. But for the sake of time, we're just going to briefly touch on the worst offenders in two of these categories to just get a glimpse of how detrimental eating some of these foods and especially eating them in excess can be to our well-being. So we're going to talk about sodium nitrate, which is a food additive. And this is according to Healthline, but it's added to processed meats like bacon, beef jerky, ham, hot dogs. And it's intended to help with preservation of these meats. However, it is linked to colorectal cancer, stomach cancer, pancreatic cancer, leukemia, and heart disease, to name a few. Now, nitrates are natural. They're a natural part of any normal diet, and it's hard to get these diseases from natural food sources, especially because these natural food sources have other protective elements and antioxidants like vitamin C. However, because the amount of these preservatives isn't usually listed on a food label, your average consumer is not going to know how much they're consuming on a daily basis, especially if they are overeating some of these foods that do have sodium nitrate. The other, the second one we're going to talk about is a food coloring called red number 40. And this is according to good RX health. Red number 40 is found in breakfast cereals, sodas, and other soft drinks, Condiments, baked goods, chocolate candy, and fruit gummy snacks. Fun fact, fun fact, which is really not that fun, is in the past, food additives were derived from coal. So yeah, but now they're made from petroleum, crude oil, and fossil fuel. So that's great. Yay. Um, so with with red number 40, the research is inconclusive, but according to the National Cancer Institute, one of the chemicals that's used to prepare this food coloring was carcinogenic in animals and in high doses, it did cause adverse reproductive effects, which granted such high doses are not found in, you know, the food that we purchase at the grocery store, but it's an important tidbit of information, especially when it comes to overconsumption. So, so what? So what? So what, right? I wanted to share some encouragement and advice for those who are struggling with gluttony, especially those who are struggling alone. And for many of you, this has been a struggle for years For many, it even began in childhood and is hindering you from being the healthiest version of yourself. And you feel like you just can't 
You just can't stop. You just can't um, kick it in the kick it in the bud, um, or nip it in the bud. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and so my encouragement would be to attack it from the spiritual and the physical realm. Y'all know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This thing is first and foremost a spiritual issue, especially if it's tied into idolatry, right? And some of these things can be applied even beyond food and beyond gluttony. But let me also say, when I say spiritual on this podcast, whenever I say spiritual, I'm talking about Jesus Christ and God Almighty Elohim, just to clarify, because there's a lot of different meanings when we say spiritual in today's society. So this is assuming that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here's my encouragement. There is power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood. Um, anyways, do you be- do you believe that though, right? Do you believe that God is bigger than your struggle with gluttony? Do you truly believe that even if you say you may say yes but do you in your heart of hearts in the depths of your soul believe it and if you're dealing with food addiction right that is tied into all this you know it's interesting that the word addiction is derived from a latin term for enslaved by or bound to but in Christ, you are not a slave to food or to your belly. Romans 6.22 says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. So I think the first thing is really reorienting your heart and your mind with regards to food and what throne this takes up in your life and if food is an idol for you right if it has become um, something that you desire more than God like you won't spend time with God but you're gonna eat you know a lot right Um, when you're feeling when you're feeling uh, you know when you need comfort or you're feeling anxious or you are whatever it is that you are dealing with, right? And I'm not making light of this because I I'm aware that some of these things stem from a very deep place. Um, trauma, just you know, that's why I said we're just we're just scratching the sur- we're just scratching the surface, and I want to navigate this in in a in a, a delicate way, but also speaking the truth and grace into the lives of those who are listening to this podcast. So, yeah. And then, again, if you're in Christ, self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And that means that self-control is yours. Tap into that self-control through the power of Christ. Invite God and allow God to help you to develop self-control, Uh, Another thing I would say is invite some accountability from people who understand why it's important for you to deal with this at this spiritual root. And you know, one thing I've noticed, at least in my personal life, is 
many times it's not always just a food thing. Like it, when I have struggled with uh, binge eating, it wasn't necessarily just food, but it was an, an uh, I guess I would also see other areas in my life where I was lacking self-control and discipline, you know, and I would also recommend seeking out therapy. There are many therapists who deal specifically with food-related struggles. However, you may even need to get grief therapy or therapy regarding traumas that you've experienced in your life or even in your childhood because many times um, people start out using food as a coping mechanism when they're dealing with trauma or dealing with grief and then it turns into something bigger than what they intended or imagined. So if you have never sought therapy for some of the things that you have experienced, along with seeking God, I would say also look into finding a solid therapist to work with that they can help you dig deeper, get to the root of where um, this stems from and give you some tools and tips to, to practice moving forward. The other thing I will say, the last thing I will say or encourage you to do is to fast and to pray. And fasting is it is a spiritual way, um, of course, in dealing with this. But I think it's also a pretty practical way, right? Turning down your plate and making room for, for God to speak, God to bring clarity. And also to show yourself that you're not going to die if you don't eat, Right. Now, I'm not encouraging unhealthy practices, don't get me wrong, but for those who are Christians, fasting is a spiritual discipline that we are encouraged uh, to partake in. And so, of course, as the Holy Spirit leads you, right? Um, But then there's also things like intermittent fasting. Sometimes I do intermittent fasting uh, when I'm trying to work on discipline or uh not just with, you know, my eating habits, but in other areas of life. So yeah, fasting and praying, the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful, powerful, powerful. And yeah, so those are some things I would just say to encourage anyone who is dealing with uh, struggling with gluttony, food addiction, or anything in that realm and in that area. And I, I wanted to close out this episode with actually praying with you and for you, especially if you are really struggling with gluttony, uh, and especially if you're struggling alone in silence. So Let's go ahead and pray. Abba, thank you so much for everyone who is listening to this episode about gluttony. Lord, I pray for those who are currently struggling with gluttony, who are struggling with food addiction. Lord, I pray that you would bring freedom in this area, that you would bring healing in this area. I pray that you would help whoever needs the fruit of the spirit of self-control to develop um, 
and be cultivated and to flourish more in their life. Lord, I pray that this would be an opportunity for those who are struggling with gluttony to turn to you and to develop a deeper intimacy with you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen those who are struggling. I pray that you would help them encourage themselves in the Lord, that you would remind them of the truths of who they are, of who you are to them. I pray that where we use food as a crutch, where we, we treat food as an idol, where we put food even before you, that you would forgive us and that you would help us reorient our priorities, that you would renew our minds and that you would sit on the throne of our hearts. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next time.